Bob men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live. Inside. Where no one can see it. Or hear it. Or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? He can beat one of those things! I'm good to go. All right, I'm going to get us going then. Howdy, and welcome to Episode 10 of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I am joined by Dave Atterbury. Hello, friends. And Chris Tyler. I know I'm human. <laughs> you know, I almost I almost suggested we should do little lines like y'all we do. Yeah, we can off, restart off. it. No, no, no. It's better. I don't want to steal y'all's uh, shtick. Well, you can reach the show at uh, castprotection at gmail.com and at castprotection on Twitter and on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. And if you'd be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be great, too. We have been saying for a long time that in this uh, interim between seasons one and two of Stranger Things that we would take some time to... Uh, basically do episodes about the pop culture that influenced Stranger Things or is directly referenced in it, and we thought there would be no wetter, better way to begin. This is than pretty wet, with, though. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely <laughs> <laughs> uh, better way to begin than with 1982's, John, uh, sorry, John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing. And I think we were pretty unanimous in that this would be a, a great place to start. It's a favorite of ours. It's a cult favorite. And I think, you know, it's it's gone pretty mainstream in terms of people really appreciating it for what it is, which is just a, a fantastic film, let alone a fantastic special effects yeah. monster movie, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is the movie that opened opposite E.T., so... <laughs> yeah. Fond of talking about. Um, why? Yeah, you know, cute little alien or um, disgusting evil aliens. Yeah, nightmare fuel. Yeah. Nightmare fuel, indeed. Yeah, this was an obvious choice. Uh, Mike has the poster for the thing in his basement, which you can clearly see anytime they're in the basement. Yep. And uh, Doctor, uh, sorry, uh, Professor Clark is watching this with his boo uh, when Dustin gives him a call late one Saturday night near the end of the uh, show. Yep. So uh, how could we not talk about this? Yeah, um, that's a Drew Struzan. Struzan, Struzan. Yep. Uh, very, very uh, famous poster. I love it. Um, and I think it's kind of a reference, maybe, to the thing from another world or whatever the the remake they're doing. You know that they're doing in this film. Yeah, I can't remember the. Um, the I was like an homage, I should say, an homage to a scene from the original, maybe. 
Yeah. It's, uh, well, just in general, it's just a great piece of art. It's evocative, and it doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah. And it doesn't really, there's no really scene like this in the movie, I don't recall. It's been a while since I've watched this one all the way through. And by the way, I should say, we are doing this episode not as kind of a synopsis and discussion like we did in Stranger Things. This is actually going to be our first attempt at a commentary episode. So we're going to, here in just a moment, we're going to queue up the movie and all and just basically discuss it as we go through it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are, we're all uh, using the same source. So um, whatever source you have, Blu-ray, DVD, digital file... Uh, it shouldn't matter. Uh, this is the only version of the film that's out that uh, that we're aware of. Is just the uh, the one that was theatrically released in 1982. So uh, right. we we all have ours all queued up at zero 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 zero. I would hope. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So whenever you guys get yours all queued up to zero 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 destruct zero, uh, you can um, get ready to go with us. Let's do it. Oh, are, are we ready to do this? No, getting still getting situated. Hold on. I realized the fault okay. in my my plan. I had to go across the room here to do it up real quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, good. It's all good. That's all right. Hey, do the whole intro monologue. I had no sound. I didn't know what the guys were saying. I just muted my microphone and. Hey, we covered for you. You did well. We we let the magic happen. The level of professionalism. I'll tell a quick story while JC's setting up. (laughs) Okay, go for it. So, so. No, this, this, this fits. It's hilarious. So, uh, uh, my backyard's been struggling. I went to Home Depot with some pictures. And I showed it to the lawn guy, and he just took a look at it and just looked at me and said, kill it. Kill it with fire. (laughs) (laughs) Apropos. Apparently, the weeds that are in my backyard are this horrible invasive species that looks like grass, but it comes in and destroys your lawn. So the thing has eaten my lawn, so I was out back tonight uh, poisoning it, killing it with fire. All right. So uh, I thought that was quite... um, fitting for this evening's festivities yes okay all right awesome so um like with any commentary uh that you have to queue up on your own get your source ready at zero 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 and uh we'll do a three two one go on go that's when you'll hit play we don't want any rigs murtaugh style shenanigans here about when to go yeah, we covered that in Nerds on Film. Yes. yes. We, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Dave, are you ready? I'm ready. Jonathan, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, everybody out there in the ether, get ready. And in three, two, one, go. Uh, and we open on a black screen. Uh, yes the classic uh, carpenter style text here love it yeah you know when you find something that works why mess with it and why spend money on your titles when you can spend money elsewhere in the movie right 
Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Um, I, oh, go ahead. Go. No, no, no. I'm all go. Well, I was going to say, like, um, I, I think I first noticed this font when I did a marathon, like, over a weekend where I watched this movie, Escape from New York, and, uh, Big Trouble Little China. Ooh, nice. Wow. And it was kind of, uh, yeah, and it was, it was, it was right after high school, and I, and I can honestly say that it was this movie and that little, little watch that kind of kicked off my, like, getting into movies and movie making. Just noticing, it was the first, you know, really studying a director's style and the things that he did and the consistency between his movies. And so it's one of the reasons I've, I've always loved John Carpenter and why I've always loved uh, The Vault of Startling or Monster Tales of Terror because okay. they started with with John Carpenter. Well, so. it's, yeah. well, no, I definitely owe you and the guys at The Vault uh, a debt of gratitude because... Yeah. I had seen Halloween. I think I might have said this before, even on Cast Protection, but I had seen Halloween, but not seen any of the rest of his films before y'all started covering them. And yeah, I just started watching them on y'all's, basically on after listening to y'all's episodes and on y'all's recommendations. And cool. he's become one of my favorite directors ever. I mean, I so love good. his films. Yeah, it's, it's so good and so consistent Dave's right that's a great word yeah. for it like very consistent in their quality yeah you kind of know what you're going to get um, if you watch a 70's Carpenter movie you know it's a 70's Carpenter movie if it's an 80's Carpenter movie if it's a 90's Carpenter movie there is a a level of not sameness but of consistency like Dave said there's a always a feel to his um He's, I mean, I've read interviews with him where he says, uh, you know, in Europe, I'm an auteur and in the United States, I'm a bum. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> right. uh, but it, he definitely is, it's, it's odd. He is an auteur in a way, but a lot of his stuff is pop cinema. So I don't know how much of an auteur you can really be if you're trying to make pop cinema, which, I mean, Halloween and Big Trouble and this. Mm. Uh, even the the work for hire that he did, like Memoirs of an Invisible Man, it's all pop cinema. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's one of those guys, and I mean, I consider him very similar to Spielberg. I know Spielberg's done a lot more prestige, you know, serious dramas and things like that. But uh, who who basically can take genre films, you know, horror or sci-fi or whatever it may be, but you know, still maintain like a really high quality as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't want to say he's the same as Steven Spielberg. I, that's all I'm trying to say. But you know what I mean? Like, can take genre film. That you're right. You you know, can you be an auteur and work in genre film? Where I'd say he's a good example of someone who does. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, they're totally different ends of the spectrum when it comes to in terms of their approach to things. Uh, oh yeah. I would say that John right. Carpenter is more of a cynic than uh, Senor Spielberg sure. was. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I guess I just meant in terms of can you like. Um, be commercially popular and work in popular, you know, genres or styles that, yeah. But still although, also be instantly recognizable. Yeah, of course. Well, it's like this movie, like, I, you know, I think you can just tell it's a cut above because, like, it gets better the second time you watch it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like... It it's one of those ones that engenders rewatches because of 
the the mystery of it. And it, it as we go along and we talk about the, the paranoia and this, it really is kind of hard to pinpoint where certain things happen, where changes have occurred to the characters, which is uh, one of the most fun bits of it. Yeah. We sh- yeah. Um, so the movie, just to say, the movie we've it has this opening scene of basically a helicopter with two men in it chasing a dog over an incredible like Arctic plateau, and we don't really know what in the world's going on. They're shooting at the dog from the helicopter, and they're heading towards what looks like a U.S. naval installation or something or U.S. research station. Um, but we're getting our first uh, exposure to the guys that are going to be our, our our cast for the rest of the movie. And my Kurt favorite Russell. actor of all time, Kurt <laughs> Russell. Yeah, Kurt Russell. You know, I don't think, man, he looks unique in this movie. Like, he never looked quite like this again in any other movie I can think of, you know. Uh, yeah, I always yeah. wondered if his beard was fake, but with uh, oh. Hateful Aid and some of his other films, oh, I'm no, like, oh, no, no, no. this no, dude's grown. That's real. That's all. Yeah, he, yeah he, and he just looks like there's something just raw about him in this movie, you know? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuck like, in the Arctic, man. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's just kind of amazing. Like, you know, it's one of those things where, especially again, like, you know, you, like. You take the eye patch off him or put it on, and he's pretty similar to, to Snake. But like when you watch Big Trouble after watching this, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They don't look. I mean, he looks so different. You know what I mean? I I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I love the guy, and I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how awesome of an actor he is. I don't think he does either. I I, I don't know why he's kind of saddled with that stigma. Yeah, he was a Disney child actor. But of all the Disney child actors that have come and gone, who, could you say any other ones have had as long-lived and as illustrious a career as him? I don't think so. No, I couldn't think of any. I mean, I guess I don't have an exhaustive list, but no, he's he's lived. He's been a movie star his entire life. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I always think Carpenter gives his characters such funny names because it's. Mac- Creedy, which sounds, which sounds, I don't know, just sounds like Scotch Irish or whatever. But when you see it spelled out, it's M A C R E A D Y. It's like Mac Ready. Yeah. Well. I just think it's like he he has a weird way of naming the characters yeah. in his films. But now these Norwegian guys, I've never helicopter hunted before. Although that is a thing down here, you know, shooting hogs and stuff by out of helicopters. Uh, they are very unsuccessful in shooting this stupid dog is running across a massive barren snow plane, but I can't imagine it would be easy. I've never fired a gun, but I imagine doing it from a helicopter while there's a Arctic animal running in the glaring snow would be right. difficult. No, no, I know. It probably is tougher than it looks, but come on, well, guys. The fate of the world is in your hands here. Come on, nerdy Norwegian scientists, step it up a little bit. <laughs> so, oh man, yeah, this movie—it's—it's it's such an awesome. Like these character actors. Um, the, oh, it's yes. got an awesome cast. Yeah, it's yeah. Just the, the, it's, that's the thing with Carpenter's movies—you're not—you're not always going to get the A-list actors, but you're going to get the guys that are perfect for the roles. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I remember I saw this. I mean, I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces of it as a kid, but when I sat down and really watched it, it wasn't too long after I had seen um, 12 Angry Men. Oh, yeah. In high school. And so I just remember, that was one of the things I remember thinking of, was like, it was like 12 Angry Men mixed with, you know, sci-fi mixed with horror. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> no, it's very similar to 12 Angry Men, though. There's a lot of scenes of them, like, standing around arguing, trying to figure out what to do next, you know? Yeah, and it's very interesting, because it's, you know, growing up in the the post-Star Wars generation with movies, like... I've never really liked movies that are very stage play-ish, uh-huh. if you understand what I mean by that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I could see this being like a stage play. I could see you easily turning this into a stage play that I would actually probably enjoy watching. Yeah, you could. Uh, you you it's, could it's do so... a, you could do a version of this that would that stripped down that is just yeah. you know ten guys in a room. Yeah. Yeah, trying to decide, you know, who's human and who's not. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I can't even remember the first time I saw it. It was probably when I was in college. Um, and I don't know, I don't remember why. It's I, I think that's also when I started late high school, early early college was when I was rented uh, Escape from New York. And you know, I was just mm-hmm. starting to, to really get into film and uh, yeah, saw Escape from New York, and I was like, "Oh man, who who made this movie?" <laughs> so then, right, was, right, and that was after that was years after I had seen Big Trouble in Little China, uh, which I didn't even realize at the time was a, a Carpenter movie. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China used to get a lot of play on the uh, the UHF stations in Boston. One of them had the the rights to it, so it always end up getting shown every every year on like a Saturday. Uh, so I'd always try to find it. And then it's just, it's, the, it just opens up this whole world of, of weirdness that I love. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> that would have been a, that would have been a good line to steal for the intro to the show. First goddamn week of winter. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah. Who it is. You know, it's funny. Diabetes here, boy himself. Oh, diabetes. He's almost unrecognizable well, without the mustache, somebody right? And you, you you get them on the phone and you tell them that there's Ewoks and diabetes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I remember as a kid, for some reason I saw uh, Escape from New York a lot, like on HBO and stuff. But I don't remember seeing the thing until at the exact same time as you, you know, right after high school, right as I was getting into college. Um this is the first yeah. kind of shot, and we'll have several shots like this in the film down this like kind of central hallway. But you know, Carpenter is kind of known for his, you know, uh, his camera moves that are like real steady and kind of move through the space. And I don't really know. I'm not a film expert. I don't necessarily know how to describe it. But if you watch Halloween and you watch this, you you get the idea that of the way he moves his camera, but we just have this long tracking shot down the hallway following this guy as he skated down through there. And, you know, the setup of this place becomes pretty key as we're trying to figure out who yeah. is or is not, wanna, you know, been infected. <laughs> yeah, And we kind of, we, we had our first part already, but uh, we're about to have a little bit more, but there's some like really intense dog acting in the beginning of this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, even the dogs are amazing actors in the in this. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Carpenter is uh, excellent at giving you the geography of where his story is taking place. Um, and in a movie like this, where it is mostly self-contained, you do kind of have an, have to have an idea of where things are, uh, just so that the story makes sense. Because uh, the key points are who's who and who's not who they say they are, and when were people separated and where were they? So yeah. it's kind of vital to to get that laid out relatively quick. And uh, yeah. again, all these guys are kind of archetypes. Uh, some of them get more fleshed out than others, but it's one of those things where with this kind of story, you kind of have to introduce everybody and let the audience know who they are right up front. Yeah, in shorthand, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's the kind of story, I mean, I think, I think you probably could expand it quite a bit in a novel, maybe give you more backstory, ratchet up the tension even more by knowing the characters a little more. But yeah, it's... it would be hard, I think, to get across the whole idea in prose of the idea of somebody suddenly being not themselves the way you can in like a movie. You know? Yeah, and it's and if you were gonna do it in prose how much do you tip your hand with how you're writing the characters? Right. Doing it right. visually kinda you know, well, sells a little Well, yeah, and that's, that's like this. There's so much, um, you know, just a little bit of music, uh, you know, a camera shot that lingers just a moment, you know, and a look from a crazy dog actor, you know, yeah. all of a sudden. You can imply you know, you the dog suspense. is evil. <laughs> Sorry. I know. Well, and it's funny because I was going to compare it to, it reminds me of King, like Stephen King, how, you know, horror from just the mundane, you know, there's so much horror in this that comes from just unknown let alone you know the amazing special effects that we're going to be getting to soon yeah um it would actually it actually was based this this film is an adaption and actually i think a more close adaption to um who goes there very who goes there yeah very famous uh science fiction novella by john Mm. campbell from the 30s so that was the basis for the thing from another world in the 50s as well as of course this one yeah you've got a reading assignment Dave yeah I need to get on that and uh, if you have not seen the thing from another world it is definitely worth watching (sighs) it makes a uh, cameo in Halloween yes it does yeah uh, nice yeah Yeah. that's what they're watching uh, before uh, they were going to go out trick or treat Yeah, he's given us all these establishing shots of all the different rooms, just so we kind of like, like Hero said, we kind of get an idea of where everyone is or is not, as some stuff's about to go down. As this beautiful husky is just wandering. Oh. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I always have a wait and see approach when it comes to remakes. Um, this is what I think that. You know, surprisingly, I think you could still kind of get away with today. Um, you know, they could do an update of this, and I think they it would probably still work. How about right. say they did right. one? We'll, yeah. probably, we'll probably talk about that. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like even though this is very obviously an 80s movie and set in the 80s, I think that because of the remoteness of Antarctica, um, I feel like this, this story as it is could still work even in, you know, 
the era of satellites and cell phones. Well, it's the, yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. same reason why you can do Invasion of the Body Snatchers again or Ten Little Indians again. It's right. because it is such a simple premise. It, it can right. always work as long as you're going to bring something new to it. Right. Uh, the way this compared to the the Howard Hawks version, uh, basically the same story, but the approach is very different. Oh, yeah. So uh, McCready is uh, now landing at the Norwegian camp. Yeah, we might as well since we just alluded to it. Here we are at the Norwegian camp. Any thoughts on the side quill to this? The uh... Uh, basically, yes, they did do a version of the thing. They just called it the thing, and it was uh, what happened at the Norwegian camp. Uh, I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I never saw it. I am. I, um, I tried. I watched it. I remember almost nothing about it. It's That's about it. Well, it's one of those things. It doesn't matter what happened. That. Right. Nothing that well, you can it, tell is going to be as interesting as what your mind is going to put together there. The, right. the whole point is it is this unknown thing. Right. And you just have to kind of roll with it. I mean, there's some good actors in, and some good special effects in the remake from what I saw before I turned it off. But it just it doesn't have the pull that this one does. Right. Well, and that was the problem, I think. They're just, they didn't... Um... They couldn't find a hook to really, like, make the story compelling. You know what I mean? They really recreated this by the end of the movie. I mean, they had all of this lined up with this really well. And, oh, yeah. I'm you know sure. what I mean? Like, like the, their set design, it really blended into this movie amazingly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they didn't, like you said, like, they didn't... There wasn't anything told in this story that was uh, anything other than just you know they cut the monster out of the ice and it just slaughtered them you know what I mean there wasn't there wasn't that's what I'm saying like I literally can't remember anything other than that you know it didn't have those moment those moments of of the 12 angry men you know trying to figure out what's going on um, yeah it was more just a generic slasher no. Yeah, and it, you know, it's kind of that thing like, it's kind of like how great Jaws is because the shark didn't work, you know, I'm, and kind of like this, the time in which this was made, you know, there was only so much you could do with the special effects without blowing the budget completely out of the water, so you, you know, you had to pick your moments. Yeah, they picked it, in this. <laughs> right, right, and I think they were, I think they were so free because they could just CGI the crap out of the monster in the side quill that... Again, they didn't take any real time to kind of give you a compelling story to go along with all of this imagery. So. Yeah, it, la- it for some reason it lacks the it lacked the starkness that this has. This has more of a sense of verisimilitude right. than, the, than the newer one does. And I, I don't know whether that's just modern film or modern film technique or. I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, it's kind of like. Um, and I don't want to get into spoilers here because I know JC hasn't seen it, but it kind of reminded me of like Alien versus like Alien Covenant, you know? Oh man, yeah. yeah. The, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to say that only, and I'm not going to spoil anything, JC. I'm going to say that only in terms of like in this time period, you know, you would linger on shots and kind of take your time, and there was a little bit of a, the pacing was a little bit slower. Whereas nowadays, in the same kind of movie with the same director, they 
it's faster. It does, you know, it doesn't, you know, you don't let that music ratchet up and have a two or three five minute scene where nothing really happens other than just building atmosphere. It's just kind of that modern filmmaking go 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 type thing. Yeah, this is definitely that makes a, sense. I I definitely understand what you're saying, Dave. It's it is definitely yeah. like because you could put this and you can put. I put this and Alien of of the same piece. It's the same hammer right. home, the tension and the desolation and the paranoia. Uh, yeah. Which it's just I don't know. Is it is it is it modern audiences too that just can't um, deal with it? I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a mix of things. I think it's I think it's I think it's some of the modern audience being left behind in in the theater owners' desire to smash more movies in a day so movies are trimmed within an inch of their life nowadays and they don't if you're at the Ridley Scott level or the Steven Spielberg level though usually the studio is going to be kind of hands off well you know it's like it's like Alien Covenant it was exactly two hours and whenever I see a movie come in at exactly two hours the first thought that crosses my mind is what did they cut out yes I had the same feeling after watching Covenant as well right but it, and like this, you watch this like right now, like it doesn't feel like they're trimming stuff out just to speed it along, you know? Yeah, well, I don't, I, there's not, often there's not much that's cut out of Carpenter's stuff. I think he's kind of, I think he takes the lean right. and mean approach to his screenplay. Sure. Uh, he doesn't. He's not going to want to waste time on something that's you know, that's not important or that you you're not going to see anyway. Yeah. Yeah. In the documentary I found on YouTube, I think, like you said, was off maybe the DVD. Um, they did mention they did film an alternate ending for this for the thing for this movie, um, where basically the ending was now. <laughs> uh, basically, a scene with McCready after having been rescued, getting a test, letting us know that. He was safe and not the thing. Uh, well, yeah. that would kind and of they take, tested that, and, and because the, uh, spoiler alert, the <laughs> the ending to this movie is is pretty bleak. I mean, you, you at least you hope that he's successful, but there's no guarantee, I guess. And so that was a much more hopeful ending. And wow, see this dog. This dog's amazing. <laughs> The dog is amazing. So good at just holding still and just staring. Yes. I'm like, did he freeze frame it? But no, it's like really just sitting super still. Oof. Oh, here we yeah. go. Some of the fantastic model work in this movie. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> this so there's like a horrific, like burnt up, bloody, steaming corpse on the table right now. They brought it back from the Norwegian camp. And it's like... And- and we're 23 minutes in. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, oh, it's a slow burn for sure. Yes. Right. Um, I mean, it's like a horrific mishmash of limbs and organs and whoever. I mean, teeth. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> it but, is hard to describe. <laughs> um, yeah. hard one to of the at. actors was saying that that was the part that kind of disturbed people the most when this film came out. It wasn't so much the actual parts we see where the thing attacks or kills someone or the you know the parts that are more like directly violent but some of these just kind of models that they're they linger on are really disturbing 
Especially when it's put up against something like you said, Hero, like uh E.T. Yeah, e. like this this bisected oh, yeah. screaming face here is not um Oof. is not E.T. <laughs> yeah. No. No. And I love E.T. The e. look, but... <laughs> oh, the look on Kurt Russell's face here kind of says it all. Like, holy yeah, we're screwed. Oh, shit. The dog. We are screwed. Yep. <laughs> so we should say earlier, we've already seen the dog go into a room with one person all on their to be own. the dog handler for the base. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> What's the name of the guy here? That's the, like the Windows, commander or the Windows is the uh, the radio operator. Windows is the radio operator, but uh, oh, uh, I mean the actor. I should. I'm gonna pull up the uh, cast real quick. I don't even know. Other than Keith David and Diabetes and Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm seeing. The Diabetes. guy that uh, the guy that <laughs> the guy that just came in and yelled at Windows. I've seen him in a million things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he's old school. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, and this dissection scene, man. Oh, God, man. It's still, it still weirds me out to this day. I'm like, why is he doing it? Uh, I'm like, why? I, well, that's the thing, too. I mean, these guys are scientists. They're yeah, out. So. It's a scientific oh, outpost geez. they live in. So they're, they're trying to science the shit out of this. And, that's right. And, <laughs> It's one. Of, that's one of the things I love is that he's the first one to realize like just how screwed they are. Screwed they are. Oh yeah. man, the eyes looking right out of that thing. I wow, it's <laughs> frightening. It's it's really yeah. mad. If you watch watching this one in the dock by yourself. Oh ooh, yeah, I yeah. I'll, I I I don't mind saying I don't actually I can't watch this one in the dark. I gotta keep a light on. It's There's a, a couple spooky. of yeah. This the Exorcist and Alien. I still have to have the lights on for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the little things like them having, t- you know, tape recordings of game shows oh, and stuff just to stay occupied. It's like we had that VHS player. We had that exact. Well, oh, everybody had the top oh. loader, baby. Look at the yeah, size yeah. of that spliff that Palmer is lighting up. That thing is crazy. <laughs> it's like a freaking doobie cigar. It's crazy. Well, you know, hey, <laughs> what's the what's the worst that can happen? You're in the Arctic. <laughs> Uh, I love yeah, that, on that, a fully on that same documentary. <laughs> oh yeah, on that same documentary, they said that guy, you know, and I guess in part of their research or whatever, guys that would go to these kind of long-term research stations where they'd be trapped for the whole winter, they would give them like crates of game shows and stuff like that to help them pass the time. But this movie was filmed. All this, well, a lot of this part is on a set, I'm sure, but. They did build the whole exterior part of it um, on a glacier. I think it's in British Columbia, maybe. Yeah. Way up on a mountain, but it's an actual. I mean, all those, all the exteriors are shot in like twenty degrees below zero. Yeah, you on can't top fake, of a mountain in a glacier. You can't fake how cold they look when they're outside. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's so cool because that's one thing that sets this a movie apart from a lot of Carpenter's. Uh, other films is you know he doesn't often get a shoot on locations like that you know what i mean like there's more money into this in terms of the quality of the sets and the quality of you know the special effects and everything else than i'd say a lot of his other films and he got the most out of it i'd say yeah every uh, inch of the every every cent of the budget is is put where it needs to be on this 
That was yeah. a crazy scene right there where the dog came into the room and it like laid <sighs> right down in the middle and all the uh, like perfectly still. Well, yeah. it's interesting. Like when you watch the making of and they they you know they the trainer just kept telling the dog to stop. So it you know the dog kept making these halting, pausing, weird. Yeah. Movements oh, and it's yeah. So, oh, and then this. Oh, what does that look like? <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Hey, it's the Demogorgon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Did you did you wow. recall that? Oh yeah. Okay, I didn't recall that. Oh, wow. Gosh, I didn't think about so, that. There you go. So the dog has been put in the kennel with all the other dogs, and immediately, like, its face unfolds just like the Demogorgon. And it oh. starts mutating into a monster to oh. basically take over all the other dogs. Wow. Well, it's, this it's is just... The dog acting on those other huskies, man. I don't know what they did to terrify them, but yeah, those yeah. dogs... Like, that one dog there trying to bite his way out, like... Yeah. It's frightening. Oh, it's just... What is it? Yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you have trouble... Oh. Seeing dogs in peril, like actual dogs in peril, these dogs are freaked out. But my fiance was crying the entire time that was on screen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I couldn't never get Joy to watch this movie again if she ever won't watch it. (laughs) A person would never watch, not in a million years would she watch this movie. Yeah, it's funny because this is one of the ones that's in my constant rotation. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta watch it every like Halloween because it's just such a great scary movie. Yes, yes it is. It, it and Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this. Oof. So uh, yeah, we saw what the uh, <laughs> what the thing can do there, and oof. it got out. Um, I don't think that part right there. But the part coming up with the dog monster, that was the only shot that Stan Winston and his troop did in this film. Basically, the guy, I wrote his name down Rob, here. Rob Bottin. Uh Yes, that did all the special effects. He, I guess, got a little, little in over his head and called in Stan Winston. That He's the one that his group did the monster we're about to see. Yeah, Rob Bottin worked himself almost to death on this. Um, just, like, made himself sick oh. doing it just from the, the hours that he was putting into it, and he was young at the time. Yeah, he's, like, tw- or like 21, or 22, 20. something like that. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, he, well, I mean, this is, wow. Talk about something you can hang your hat on. I mean, this is amazing. Oh, God, look at this. Oh. <sighs> It's just what a great what a what a classic line to do. I don't know what it is, but it's weird and it's pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great line. And you know it took me years to realize the other doctor has a nose ring when I was watching yeah. this. It took me Same. years to realize that. I don't think I noticed it until I saw it. I, I don't think I've ever noticed it. The doctor in the cast here, the other doctor has yeah, a nose not, ring? Not Wilfred Brimley, the uh, the other one with the yeah, the one, the one that was stitching the guy up earlier. Yeah. Yeah, like that puppet, oh. that dog that gets shot there is so realistic. Oh, yeah, it looked real to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, yeah, this is one of those movies. That's... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so my gosh. Creepy. Dude, their reaction of just standing there, like, what in the world? Like, what are we looking at? Yeah, I, I yeah, wonder if it was shocked. The, I wonder if they did, the, did an alien on these guys, and they just, like, they didn't know what they were going to see. Because <laughs> those reactions look real. Yeah, they do. Oh, my God. That eye. Yeah, I know. Oh, the eyes. Like, he can't even comprehend it. Like, it's not even, like... More demonstration. So... There we go. Mm-mm-mm. Look at that floaty... Floatacy... Unfurling thing. Wow. Yeah, no. Yeah, and you're it's right. Actually, if you can, I mean, you talk about it in terms of, like, sci-fi, the idea of, you know, an alien organism that is completely alien. Like, just almost incomprehensible. This is one of the best. Yeah. Well, and this, you know, wow. it's funny. The setting is so perfect because it's almost Lovecraftian, you know, and yeah. that they've met, like you said, something that is so foreign. You know, you, when you read those old Lovecraft stories, they, he would hardly even describe the monster or the elder gods or whatever and just be like they were indescribable that's how he would describe them yeah or or say like basically like somebody would take one look at it and they'd go mad right right well that's what these guys i mean they're living that basically and it's uh what is it in the mouth of madness is set in the arctic so uh you know maybe he's getting a little influence from that uh, at the Mountains of Madness. At the Mountains yeah. of Madness. Oh, in the Mouth of Madness that's is the Carpenter, Carpenter movie. <laughs> yeah. That's wow. Carpenter's version of uh, Lovecraft. Yeah. Right. And that's also a, a great movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the look how up the Brimley's face oh. is like, well. He looks like he's just like preparing his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's, uh, it's just, oh, God, everything about it is, it is, it's just so foreign. I mean, uh, what I want to say, like, what? how many drugs were these, was Rob Botin doing when he was coming up with these designs? But I don't even think yeah. it's that. I think it was just some guy who's Carpenter's probably said, just go nuts, and this is what you get. Yeah. Oh, and it's so, the, the, uh, the prosthetic work and everything in this is just so good. Well, it really looks like he's about to throw up. <laughs> uh, yeah, you put enough slime and viscera on stuff I'm gonna watch it oh man it's the old explaining scene Joe the explainer yeah which is it's I mean by this point in the movie we're you know about a third of the way through the movie almost you kind of have to get some sort of idea of what you're dealing with and it's a creature that can imitate anything that it touches exactly yeah. Which is frightening. Which is a big problem when you're in close quarters and yeah. you're snowed in for the winter. Yes. I take it they're euthanizing the dogs right here? I think they're checked. Are they doing a blood test? Blood test or they're just putting them to, not putting them to sleep as in killing them. I think just relaxing them. Okay. Or that Blair is going to do some blood tests on them. I don't know. And here's where the paranoia starts, because we we all know, and they all know, that Clark was the first one alone with the dog. (laughs) He was just (laughs) infecting everybody all day. Yeah. Uh, Well, spoiler alert, uh, Clark's not infected. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. 
So we don't know. It's it, it's it kind of doesn't play fair, but it doesn't need to, because um, that's not really the point of the story. Is the point of the story is not when did it get who? <laughs> it's what do you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Well, and the idea it's interesting because they immediately suspect each other, but I think he's the only one that you know starts wondering about even himself, like would I even know. If I was one of these things, yeah, that's that's the other interesting point. If it was an exact copy, would it a copy to the point where you wouldn't know? Ugh. Ah, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. Did they retrieve this video they're watching from the Norwegian camp? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. so we're seeing a video basically of the Norwegians finding the ship in the ice. Yeah. This is kind of right out of the Howard Hawks version where they do find right. a ship in the ice and you, they do cut the, the creature out. That big slab that's in the Norwegian camp is basically a direct homage to the Howard Hawks film where the, the creature is in a slab of ice and then it comes out. Gotcha. Getting sucked in. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sorry. hard not to. It's hard no, not it to. Is. It no, is. It is. Just as a, a point of fun here, um, you guys had GI Joes, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You remember the um, the the helicopter pilot, Wild Bill? Ooh. Doesn't doesn't McCready kind of remind you of Wild Bill with that hat? Oh, he probably probably oh, is. Yeah, probably, probably some sort of reference to it. That crazy. Uh, I think uh, Wild Bill probably would have been after this. This is 82. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Chejo was a little later in the 80s. But they, really they, re- they like, they kind of, I feel like a lot of the G.I. Joes would reference, but just obliquely like pop culture, action movie stars, or I don't know. Can't really think of any direct examples. It's hard to remember because, you know, was, the, once it started bleeding over with like Refrigerator Perry getting his figure and <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> Slaughter coming in, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sasha Slaughter coming in was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> Eddie's yes, it disease. Was. <laughs> Classic. And this one is for my mama. There, there we go. So that is a matte painting. It's a beautiful matte painting. It's amazing. Yeah, on that documentary, they had the guy that did all the matte paintings, and they would just show them kind of as he was doing them, how they did them, and, you know, they're incredible. I mean, they're beyond incredible. I mean, they're he he gives them dimension and light and everything else, and they look like they're really there, you know. Yeah, it's kind of I, the the matte painting is kind of kind of gone the way of the dodo, unfortunately. But I mean, if you do a matte painting right, man, they look damn good. I mean, yeah. I know they do a lot of digital matte stuff now, but... I was going to say, now it's all done digitally, but they do matte still, I guess. I mean, they need to make yeah. them look good, but... Yeah, but it's not even a matte anymore. It's all digital compositing, so it's not like they had to matte in this... Right, <laughs> you know, right. ...this uh, painting anymore. And, uh, yeah, love this little bit here about how long has this thing been in the ice... You know, we don't know who knows. A hundred thousand years old, he's, he's saying at least. So that's uh, frightening. 
And who knows? There could be stuff 100,000 years old in the ice that we haven't discovered. I don't want to discover it. <laughs> I don't want to discover it either. No. Isn't that um, isn't that kind of the same setup and scenario for, was it Alien vs. Predator, maybe? Don't they um, go... Isn't that under yeah. the ice as well? Yeah, there's yeah, a pyramid under the ice that the Predators used as a ritual to hunt at every however right. long. Right. That's a big deal because the Predators don't like the cold, apparently. If you're going mm. by that movie, I've, I haven't seen that once in the theater, but I do uh, recall it being under the ice. The two Alien vs. Predator yeah. movies were not good. I've only seen either of them on the one time. Yeah, that's all you need to. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about Keith David yet. Oh, David Keith David, he's so young in this. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, he is. But he's still badass. Oh, yeah. I love that he he played a huge role in one of my favorite uh, stories of all time in the oh chariots of gods so good oh yeah there you go Scott and Chris chariots of gods that was I'd never even heard of that before they they were talking about it my father had all those uh, chariots of the gods books I lapped those up when I was a kid. Was it Van Danigan or something like that? Van Danigan, yeah, Van Danigan. Van Danigan, Van Danigan, something like that. Eric Von Daniken, there we go. Nah, came to my mind. Yeah. Child's asking all the questions that we're asking. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's kind of a... Well, oh yeah, never mind. No, go, what, what I was going to say he was kind of like an archetype, you know, like questioning everything kind of like y'all were saying earlier like these guys are kind of sketches you know you got the one guy that's doesn't believe any of this is going on you know yeah he's, they also, do it. he's also the one that wants to be in charge because he's yeah. the one who feels like he's the only one who could be in charge which is the right. right guy to have in charge gotta love these uh atari level graphics <laughs> yes it gets the point across so. yeah yeah no doubt Yeah, it's funny. They they this it like you talk about lean and mean. Like this, this script does a great job. You know, just two very brief scenes, um, with very little dialogue from any you know characters they have. You know, being able to get across the point of all this and um, you know, kind of setting the stakes for us really quickly. Yeah, we're uh, we, we're at about an hour left in the movie, and it's mm, still hasn't quite hit the fan yet, but it's about to. Especially mm-hmm. after Blair makes the the real realization that what's on his computer screen here. <laughs> Chances right. are, there's a seventy five percent chance that one or more of the crew is an alien at this point. Right. Well, and again, I, in comparing it to the movie Alien, what I thought was a great. Uh, uh, comparison, they both kind of give you that slow burn for about half the running time, and then then kick up and and never let up the remainder of the running time. Yeah, it's one of those that goes from zero to f u real fast. Well, and then you get this idea right now, like you know, if his little computer projection is correct, that they're most likely infected. And if an infected person reaches the outside world, like basically the world will come to an end. Then it's almost like, well, the same thing to do would be to, you know, put some, 
it basically, yes. It's like the same thing to do would be to like burn this place down with all of us inside of it. But, you know, no one's going to willingly do that, most likely. And you've got whoever is the thing, you know, working to subvert that, you know, trying to at least. Yeah. So it makes for just a great premise, you know, just a great kind of lose-lose situation for these guys to try and try and make it through. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, and not to necessarily derail it back to, like, Stranger Things, but, you know, I, I know this one was in there, and that made it a really easy choice. Um, do you guys think there's any kind of cues or clues taken from this that were applied to the show, you know? Uh, other than Hopper being kind of the McCready type. Yeah. Um, the same, same sort of archetype, the gruff, grizzled, cynical uh, survivalist. And just the general sense that there's something out there that you can't see, but it can get you. Uh, right. Because that's how the right. Demogorgon kind of operates in the beginning of the show. It's You rarely get to see it, but it knows where you are, and when it wants to go after you, it goes after you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think just that general sense of that kind of, you know, the movies of this time period, you know, around from the time of Alien till, you know, through kind of the mid to late 80s, that kind of grounded reality, very earnest, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the world being turned upside down <laughs> type uh <laughs> yeah that, that was unintentional um type of uh you know fantasy you know whether it's you know more horror like this or whether it's more um spielbergian et-ish you know um that's i think one of the reasons why stranger things is a show i think is is so good because it's kind of a little of all of it doesn't swing too far in 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 I, any one direction it's kind of a, a really good blend of all of it yeah um, I mean like me I personally I've always I think I like this movie because I can I feel like I can interpret the end as optimistic as I want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I kind of like that I kind of like movies where you, you know, if you really want to look at it in the more cynical, downbeat way, I guess you, there's a, there's evidence for it there, but there's also the enough evidence to go the other way if that's the way you like to see it. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure we'll. End well, up and I'm talking about that when we get there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah, I, yeah. I plan on it. Yeah, Oof. it's a lot of blood. Yeah, that's that real good tempura blood too. Tempura paint blood. That's what we like. Oof. Very, uh, very gooey. Very, very red. Redder than real blood. And, uh, Ooh. yeah, this is just. Oh. Poor Fuchs. Or, no, he's not Fuchs. I can't remember which that Fuchs guy's is, name. uh. Fuchs is here with, with Creedy right now. Um, the guy in the red that's about yeah. to be a monster. That scene of the two of them in the Bobcat there. Bennings. It's Bennings. 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 Bennings, yeah. The yeah. two of them in the Bobcat always so reminded me of 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and again, man, kudos to the scriptwriter because this is great because you've got all the ideas set up, and then here they do a great job of showing you, yep, 
it could perfectly imitate the human. So all bets are off. Yeah. Because up till now, everything we've seen has been pretty, you know, obviously otherworldly. And this yeah. is where, you know, other than his hands, I mean, it's just, it's Bennings. <laughs> I always thought this part, this part kind of freaked me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's super scary. Because he just looks at him and it's like, oh, no. Well, it's that noise he makes, like, oh, holy yes. moly. And McCready doesn't even hesitate, man. <laughs> oh, no, that's the hopper right there. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, that's the thing. It's Here's everybody that's still alive. They're they're confronted with this thing actually moving around and seeing it now. So right. There's no, yeah, there's there's no, no backpedaling. There's no argument anymore. Everybody knows what's happening. <laughs> Gary's face here is like, what, what, I know. what, what do we do? What, what do we do? <laughs> He's a rat food. That's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I love it though. The no hesitation. And then the next step is I'm going to get the flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. I'm not waiting. We got to burn it and burn it and burn it. Burn it. Yeah. Burn it. Kill it with fire. Nuke it from orbit. That's the only way to be sure. Oh, seriously. <laughs> yeah, they had to have been freezing their asses off. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess on the when they had uh, the inters they did at the studio in L.A., they actually refrigerated the set. And it didn't have to be all the way down to, like, 40 degrees or something like that or whenever you can start to see your breath because they intentionally upped the humidity in the set okay. so that it, it could, like, show their breath at a higher temperature. But all these exterior shots were all done on that glacier in British Columbia, and they made it sound like it was... They may actually made it sound like it was very harrowing to get up there, but once they were up there, they had a great time because it was oh. kind of like what an adventure, you, you know? Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. There was a jukebox on the set and <laughs> a wet bar, and I'm, I'm sure it was just yeah. filming and getting drunk at night and <laughs> filming again the next day. Well, it was, it was probably good to really kind of, kind of put them in the mindset of the isolation of the whole thing, right? You know. And uh, Carpenter did say on that documentary that he had the most, out of any film he's ever done, the most lead time up to this one. And I forget exactly how long he said he had, but you can really tell just in the, yeah. I mean, just in every aspect of it that uh, he really put a lot of thought into it. It is funny, though, to me that out of all his famous movies, this is the one that's not an original score. Um, well, it's a Neo Morricone. Morricone. For parts of it, um, if you di- if you dig a little deeper in this, um, Carpenter definitely did some of the scoring. Uh, oh, okay. Because I mean, you, right off the bat, you can kind of tell. Um, the, well, the doom, the, the doom, you know, that kind of yeah, yeah, something yeah. kind of bass. I, I so I th- I I think what it was was that Carpenter wanted to work with Morricone, but it just wasn't vibing with the film. So and again, this could be yeah. apocryphal, but I, I believe a large chunk of it is 
Carpenter doing the scoring. And I, I gotta yeah. be honest, I like Morricone's scores too. Um, not the fit for this. <laughs> so, thank yeah, you. Whatever Carpenter decided to do has definitely worked. Yeah, it's uh, it's haunting and it's creepy well, it's, and it really it really, it really builds a lot of atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this that that low bass heartbeat motif is you could score the whole well, thing with just that and it would work. Right. Well, it's stark like this movie. I mean, these guys are just... Yeah, you wouldn't have a sweeping string section in this movie. No, no. This definitely wouldn't be a... You wouldn't want the uh, John Williams score to swell up. It'd be a little too... uh... So McCready has just seen who he thinks is Blair basically has destroyed their helicopter instrumentation. Yeah, and now he's going to destroy everything else. Yep. Which begs the question, knowing that we know the end of the movie, is this the thing making sure that it survives in the ice? Or is this Blair pre-thing making sure that it can't get out? I always took it as that. I always took it as, like I said a moment ago, like as brutal as it sounds or as pragmatic as it is, you know, he's realized that the only situation that's going to really resolve this is if they all die. Right. Or they're trapped or whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, and the noose hanging in his uh, captivity when that we see later would lend more credibility to that, too. It's one of those things. Yeah. That, oh, I might as well just off myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think and it's, it's a small very detail. Much... It took me a long time to notice that too, but we'll get. There. I don't think I recall that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when he's yeah. after after McCready locks him up, and they go yeah. back to talk to him, you'll you'll be able to see it. Wow. But this is, I mean, this is Wilfred freaking Brimley here, man. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a it's a great performance, man. It's a it's a guy that is he's on the edge. Because he knows he's the only one. <laughs> he's not going to be deterred. The last recourse of a desperate man throwing the empty gun. Throw the gun. I know. Throw the empty Yeah, he's really. He's really. No, no, he's not messing there. around. He, he's going to shoot him, kill him with the axe. <laughs> and McCready, the, 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 the haymaker. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> Uh, Windows, what did it put up this? Well, they can't all be alpha males. That's right. Yeah. Well, I imagine, I imagine that, he, I mean, look like he hit him with the axe or something. He got him. Yeah, yeah. no, he's dazed. Yeah. Oh, he, he did kill the, the dogs. Kill the dogs. As horrible as that is, it's a smart play. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it, it's... The people act logically. They act like they would act in that situation. Right. Right. Yeah. That's well, yeah. Nobody does the like the dumb horror movie thing, you know. Yeah. Like the two scientists in Prometheus just randomly touching alien snake things in the goo. <laughs> Sorry. Right. I love the movie, but <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, that's one of those things where that little snippet of a scene that they snipped out. You know, would have made that seem a lot less stupid, but yeah, another another movie trimmed within an inch of its life. You know, yeah. 
I think it's one of the things that it frustrates me the most being a movie fan these days is I feel there's so many movies that um, could really benefit from that little bit of breathing room that just a little bit more running time would give them. And I think it's one of the reasons why things like Netflix are starting to, you know, Game of Thrones are starting to, to, to up movie storytelling is because they have that extra room to really yeah. develop their stories to that next level. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, in this day and age, pretty much anything that gets any sort of traction, even if it's just a little bit theatrically, is going to get a, a director's cut or an alternate cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I remember when those were big deals, like the director's cut of The Abyss, when that came out, was like, whoa, oh. it's a completely different movie. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's like, exactly. I can't go back and watch the theatrical version. Nope. That's kind of how I am about uh, Aliens. I yeah. prefer the director's cut of Aliens. It, it, oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it makes even that much more sense uh, of the Ripley Newt, you know, kind of motherhood theme and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it's... Mm-hmm more solidified even then but that stuff is really? great the the stuff with newt's family encountering the derelict i think that mm-hmm. i think that could go um yeah i think that kind of bogs things down at the beginning right um, but the other scenes are definitely worth having sure. in there well here yeah. they're planning now what it ends up being to me like probably the most intense part of this entire movie i mean they're talking about a way they could see uh, possibly what is going on with everyone is to do a blood test. Right. And yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute, but, and they're already starting to splinter into little factions a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which is well, well, Blair Brimley said, you know, watch Clark, watch Clark. That was the last thing he said to McCready Mm -hmm. as McCready was leaving. So, and here's the big, Oh crap moment. Somebody got to the blood. Wow. And then the other point, the lock was not damaged, so somebody with the key got in there. This is, yeah, this is just tension building at its at its best. Bunch of guys in a room <laughs> that all think they're right. The editor for the film talked about this scene in the uh, documentary about how Carpenter, like, this is like, you know, I'm like I said, I'm no film critic, but how the blocking and staging for this scene could be so pedestrian because they're basically a bunch of guys in a circle in a very small room, but how he just kind of masterfully, like, sets the scene with, you know, this conversation here as they're trying to figure out who did it well you play it tight on their faces I mean that's it if it's raw emotion that's where you play it <laughs> mm. yeah this is the 12 angry men right here Mm-hmm. that's another aspect of this movie I, and you know I'm not saying it's it's got value for being men only for any reason other than it does kind of change you know the dynamic a little bit in that you know they are all guys and they're all you know, trying to man. yeah yeah it's like 
Yeah, any sort well, of calming, rational voice would totally change the nature of this film. And yeah. women often well, are played as that. Mm-hmm. And I, well, and I like... There's been other movies that have tried to do this, and I always feel like they get too hysterical a little too soon, you know, or one person's just a little too... becomes too a little irrational and unhinged, a little too quick, or too quick to become just nuts about the whole situation. Yeah. I've always liked this movie because... Like you said earlier, everybody, nobody does anything out of character, and every decision they make in the moment they make it feels right. You know, like yeah. right here, he's like, Windows "Look." Windows going to grab the shotgun when he sees shit's about to go down, and now Gary realizing right. they don't want to listen to me, so I'm going to put my gun down. Yeah, he's like, "I'll, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. I'll try to earn some trust by, yeah, I'll give up my gun and be like, hey, look, you know, I don't want anybody to, you know." think I'm going to force you to, like, believe me. And, um... <laughs> Poor Norris. I don't, I don't want this, man. <laughs> I'm not up for this. <laughs> and then Child's ready to jump in. The guy that's ready to jump in is the guy you don't want being in charge. Right. Right. See, and the first time I watched this film, I always felt uh, McCready, he was so, like, he always had the kind of the right thing at the right moment or the right reaction or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I was so suspicious of him this whole time. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess maybe that's the opposite of how I should have felt. Like, I mean, he's obviously the kind of well, the lead. I- I always imagined him. He's he's not a young guy, and he's a helicopter pilot. So you have to wonder in his backstory: was he like a pilot in Nam or something? Has he just seen yeah so much already that he's just he knows how to handle himself? I mean, because I don't think we ever really get any real backstory on him. But I mean, no. that's how it's always played in my mind: is that he's he's already seen enough stuff. That he knows how to yeah how to deal little with world weary yeah yeah because some of well, these guys are scientists I mean uh, Nalls is a he's the cook I mean there's only right. a couple of military guys there yeah well and McCready the way he lays it out like the logic of the situation about how like I know I can't be the only human because otherwise every all the aliens would just attack me so you know you know some of us are human. Even if, you know, some of us aren't, and yeah. so he's obviously smart. And well, they show him playing chess at the beginning too, right? So. But it's funny. I, I know what you mean, like JC. I, I feel like if this movie was made today for the first time, you know, I feel like there's a lot of filmmakers that would totally go with the temptation of, oh, we'll make the the audience think that Kurt Russell is the good guy. That, whole time and he'll be the thing the whole time right you know what i mean that's their idea of like clever these days you know mm-hmm. and um and i i think that's just lazy you know what i mean i think it's just i think because it, it gets to me it's too easy to manipulate the audience that way to make the you know to play those filmmaker games of oh we'll hide the a key piece of information from the audience just because we can not because it's actually clever entertaining you know what i mean yeah so 
So now the station is under a really terrible storm, and so they are really mm. they weren't screwed beforehand. They're certainly trapped now. Right. So they're going to try and do a test to figure out if they can figure out who who the thing is. Yeah, which uh, McCready will will break down shortly, uh, based upon what he's seen so far and from what uh, Blair has already laid out to them. But uh, we'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> yeah. And how much did J and B pay to be in this movie? No doubt, man. It's like <laughs> the only product placement I've noticed. Yeah. Didn't we all have that same tape recorder <laughs> growing oh, up? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> My gosh. I think the only thing I didn't have was the cool little microphone that plugged into it. No, I, didn't I didn't have, have one. That either. Yeah, that was a little too nice for me. Yeah. You know? Ellen Rippey, last survivor of the Nostromo. Yeah. Signing <laughs> off. Signing off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So good. Can we get that fan that's a, fiction that's going? That's a really cool shot. Can we get a Ripley, McCready, Alien thing crossover? Oh, dude. Yes. I know. That would have been great. There we go. This is the this is the, the key here. With, uh... Is that Bennings? Or... No, I can't even remember who it is. Uh, laying out the fact that if... Fuchs, yeah. Yeah, Fuchs. Fuchs, just one piece of this thing is a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, which is very different from from Earth organisms. You know, there's very few, you know, once you get to uh, living creatures of, of our size and complexity, it's very hard, you know. You know, every little piece of you isn't conscious, you know, you cut off your finger, it's just a dead finger. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the power went out. Mm-hmm. Oh, this music is so good. I have to leave my mine on mute, otherwise I'll get too sucked in. <laughs> Mine's I love off. the... Uh, I've always noticed, and maybe it's just... Uh, <laughs> It lends itself in like the really stark environment they're in, but the all the outside scenes, especially at night, have just these awesome lens flares, like the flare around that, the yeah. lens flare around that flare. When it's uh, when it's an oval like that, that means they yeah. shot it in uh, scope. They shot it oh. in uh, instead of uh, was it? So they shot it with seventy millimeter, I believe. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, with different. Um, film sizes it would be circular that um effect so that's just very cool yeah that's just i i'm probably wrong on what the 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 scope is on it but it has to do with the the size of the film that gives you whether it's a a circle or an oval reflection Mm -hmm. there very cool Unless you're J.J. Abrams and you just probably put it in digitally, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, see that sign behind McCready there? Mm-hmm. We'll come back to it later. Um, that's an old uh, <laughs> propaganda poster with a beautiful lady on it saying, they aren't labeled, chum. Ha, 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 which is right mm. behind McCready when he does the blood test shortly. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> 
I, I, that's something I just picked up on my most recent watching. See, I'm always finding stuff in this. Hey, Blair. Oh, yeah. here we go. Here's the scene with Blair. Check out what's in the background. This is where you'll see the, the noose that he's made for himself. There it oh, is. Oh, wow. I don't want yeah. To now, at this point, is this the thing, Blair, trying to get back into infect everybody else because he's very calm now I don't know <laughs> that's the thing I don't think do we ever you know I've never noticed in all the times I've watched this do we know for sure that we ever see any of these guys like as the thing like acting as a thing and not until we get to the Blair thing at the end right so is there is there at any point in the movie where we know definitively that one of these guys walk around talking acting normal is uh, an imitation well I guess Palmer would have to be at this point right because we're only a few minutes away from them doing the blood test right so I mean I yeah, guess, I guess so. For, but 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 we've been away from him. Like it's the thing we've been away from him off screen long enough that we don't. So did they yeah. just find a, a body there? Yeah, I think it's Fuchs. Yeah. And we don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. So one of the things was in there led Fuchs outside. And whether the thing got him or he tried to get both of them, we don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, it stands to reason that Blair is the thing at this point because they find that tunnel that he's buried, and it's not something I think he could do in right. a few hours. Right. Oh, man, this, it's just, it's one of those movies, man, you can do endless rewatches of. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. It's really good. That's the thing, like, I, that's that's always been my measuring stick of my favorite movies is, are they rewatchable? Did they stick with me after I see them? Especially the first time I'm thinking about them. Like, I've been thinking about Alien Covenant ever since I saw it, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, that's what I love. That's what I'm looking for in a movie. You know, I mean, I'm okay with the, you know, I'm okay with the occasional popcorn movie that's forgotten the minute I walk out of the theater, but this is what I'm really looking for. Yeah, and uh, like any good horror movie, you've got the boarding up the house scene. Mm, yes, the, <laughs> we need a montage, a montage, yeah. This is a slow montage. Yeah, that's good. We need some Survivor, though, playing in the background. <laughs> I see right here. So is he already been imitated at that point? I don't know. Does he? Um, it's a, it's a, see that that moment right there where he feels that pain makes me wonder if you even know. Once you've been imitated, as if you wake up and you don't even know that it's happened to you until it comes out of you again. If it's uh, hiding inside you, yeah. Which is, I think, I think that's even scarier than than it just trying to pretend to be one of them. Not that feels realizing, yeah, yeah, that it's like you've got a disease you don't even know. 
Yeah, yeah. and uh, the planting of McCready's ripped jacket here. It's smart, too, you know. Right, right. It's great misdirection for both us and uh, as the audience and these guys. And, yeah, I mean, it's in both sides of the argument here. It's like, it, well, you know, the lights were out. Who knows what happened? Like, we, we can't, right. you know, we can't tell. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, and the idea of, like, how many of us are left and who's friend, who's foe. And look at this. I mean, like, the horror of a doorknob turning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so good. <laughs> These guys are really selling it. They're really... The child's reaction, man. Well, then we're wrong, but we'll be yep. alive, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's not... I mean, you can't blame them. No. No, there comes a point where you're just, you know, got to make the hard decisions. He's just already ready to kill McCready. <laughs> I never liked you much anyways, you son of a bitch. This is sticking my ass a kiss. <laughs> oh. oh this the is snow why I and love the beer. Kurt. <laughs> now if you're the thing, you're not gonna threaten to blow everybody up, right? Because then you're gonna kill yourself. Yes. Back off. Way off. <laughs> I just I get sucked in, man. It's so riveting. Mm -hmm. It is. It's really it is. It's hard not to. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I almost get the drop on him. Just relax. <laughs> well, yeah, and you look, he's got like a two-second fuse on the dynamite. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Now look at the look on him. It's like the thing is just coming out. Uh, yeah, and we really don't know. Oh, this, now this scene again, it's just, oh, yeah. this is some classic horror movie work. I mean, this is just cream of the crop coming up here. <laughs> I ain't letting go of this dynamite. Oh, this cream of the crop. I, I know. Yes. 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 Oh, this yeah. is this, the, one, this, 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 this is the scene, the right first here. time you watch the movie, where you, depending upon your constitution, you either poop your pants or you go, yeah! <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> totally need to watch this. They uh, they had an awesome story in a documentary regarding this entire scene. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I'll, I'll save it until it actually kind of happens, just because I don't wanna. So the doctor, what, Copper, Dr. Copper? Dr. Copper, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's, uh... Oh, Jesus! Yeah. Whoa. 
Oh. <laughs> and then just all hell breaks wow. loose. Like, I mean, seriously, like, who would have thought that's what was going to happen? Yeah. Nobody. No, that's, it's, it's like the inverse of the, uh, famous scene in Alien, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just like well, something did burst out as well, but instead of... This effect here, man, I, I know how they did it. It's unbelievable. Well, it's, I, it's why they put it in Stranger Things, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's this so this this is the, the the head just dangling over, and it's a great life cast they did of his face because it's perfect. I, I had the McFarlane toys of this, and Joy made me get rid of it. It scared her too much. I think Honeywell <laughs> has them, right? Yeah, yeah, I gave him to Honeywell. <laughs> Yeah, she was so happy when I get, got rid of them. <laughs> That's all right. I got your Escape from New York poster. <laughs> yes. Yes. Did I give you the figure that went with it? Uh, I already had the figure, so I think you gave it to somebody oh. else. I had the Escape right. from That's LA right. figure already. Okay. The, my favorite line so, of the movie is coming up right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. Which, that effect is so oh. awesome. It's... So good. It's just everything about All it is so. All of a sudden, so the head wrong. just turns into a spider. You're just it's got like ice crab ice stalks on it or something too. It's so weird. It's totally alien. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's just not. Oh. <laughs> and the look on his face. Uh, we're not even. <laughs> 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 oh man, I won't repeat the line. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And again, no hesitation by McCready. Torch nope. it. Basically, it was fire. They had no clue what to use for the part where the neck is stretching out and the head's starting to go over the edge, and it's like that kind of blue green, stretchy, snappy, like flesh stuff. And so they made just a whole, they like melted and just anything they could find, plastic, rubbers, they's made their own kind of vile concoction. It's probably really terrible for them to breathe. And the fumes they didn't realize were building up. And as they act like, you know, did the scene and they went to, uh, they actually went to light some fire near the camera because they had to, they wanted to get the look of the flames, you know, that they're supposed to be, you know, flame throwing the other end of the room. When they went to light the flames to kind of give the lighting the right look, uh, all those fumes ignited and like blasted the whole room with a fireball. And they were like extremely lucky it didn't uh, burn up the whole set, I guess, yeah. or, or hurt someone. Yeah, so that. Mm. There's the big Which one's that one again? The, that's the big twist there. That that was Palmer. Palmer, Palmer. that's right. Clark, uh, Clark, who just Clark. Got shot. It was Clark, and the doctor had said, "Watch Clark." Yep. Yeah. But uh, apparently, he wasn't a thing. Nope. Yeah, so that's another big shocker of a. Of You're a saying monster. he wasn't a thing because he shot him and he didn't. Nothing happened. Right. And they, but they still yeah. end up testing all their blood too. Yeah. Even the dead guys. It's like, you know, you have to be sure. 
And my second favorite line is coming up shortly, too. <laughs> Both of them involve the F word. <laughs> this is, this is like, this is the monologue right here, man. Yeah. Tell us, Kurt. Tell us. Mm-hmm. Look at so look, yeah, look at that shot, it. man. It's like it's oh. they got everybody in frame. Like they really uh do they have to do that that way? I mean I know they need some blood, I guess, but he's like sliced his finger with a scalpel. I don't oh. think they had a diabetes testing kit there, even though uh <laughs> you know who was on set. Right. Like, uh, uh, well they would they'd need enough to you know, have it pool a little bit. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need some volume, yeah. I know, is it funny that that thumb cut bugs me as much as the other stuff does? <laughs> oh, man. They're all cutting their thumbs. Jeez. Oh, I just can't. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I'm a wuss. I can handle monsters from space, but... <laughs> Not human blood. No. <laughs> <They're> so <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I know it's like it's like I tell my wife all the time when she she can't take this movie and I'm like I'd rather watch this and she's sitting there watch like knee surgery on the Discovery Channel and I'm getting queasy. Uh, right. I watched a video of a guy getting a eight pound fatty lipoma taken out of his neck earlier this week. It was crazy. Oh, that would make me pass out. It probably would. It was pretty nasty. It was like something out of this. Yeah. And that's the funny part. I think it's like when I see real surgery or real stuff like that this is what I think of and that's what makes me so queasy <laughs> what is interesting about this scene is would you know you're it until that moment yeah like, and I, I, I is there a possibility well, that watch, you could watch not Palmer's know face. yeah I think that's what this scene is telling us is that you don't you know I think well you could Palmer has a, a little oh, bit of a reaction like a oh shoot you'll see it Okay. You think he so? kind of yeah. looks down, like right before. Yeah, you say it's a crock of crap, child. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> and this is like the most tense scene in the movie. It's just a guy dipping a stick into blood. Yeah. You know, there it is. They aren't labeled, Trump. <laughs> they nah. aren't labeled shortly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, shut up, child. That's not a murderer if he had a knife in his hand. Right, so now they're about to do Palmer. Mm-hmm. And there's the look. Oh, yeah. Like the jig is up. I thought you'd give up with Gary. You were the only one that could have got that blood. We'll do you last. <laughs> oh. Crap my That's pants the first effect. time I watched this. Oh, blood flowing across the floor. It's yeah, so cool. This rea- oh, my God. Oh, no, being strapped down next to him while this is happening. He's, his face has no emotion, but his whole yeah. body is shaking. And then we get moved to the chair, man. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, there's really no evidence to, to show that he knew until this moment. 
and then it like all of a sudden he just can look at that. Uh, you hesitated, Windows. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, it's. Oh, see you, Windows. Yeah. Oh, sorry, buddy. That's what happens when you still wear bell bottoms in the eighties. Yep. <laughs> oh my! Look at that. It's just like. It's ragged on him, man. It's it totally is just visceral. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a guy lifting up a dummy, but oh my god, it's frightening. Like, I don't know when I'm gonna let my kids watch this, but never. Maybe when they're thirty. <laughs> I can't just. You gotta, you gotta start with the small stuff. You gotta start with Monster Squad and. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, this my, dad, one's, my dad tried to show me else. Alien when I was about seven years old. I was like, nope. Too scary. <laughs> Apparently the guy that did this firewalk here was very famous for this in, in Hollywood. It's like he made a whole career of firewalking. I, uh -huh. I, I love that. I'm not messing around. I'm throwing a stick of dynamite at this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, anybody that does a full body burn, man, you have my utmost respect, because there is not a chance in hell. I would well, he's got to hold his breath the entire time that they shoot that, and it's all in one go, you know? Yeah. Um, because he, if he takes a breath in, obviously it would, like, sear his lungs. I mean, it would, like, burn his mouth and throat terribly, so... Hmm. Yeah, and no messing around. It touched windows. Get a torch, man. Well, he was already moving around, you know, like. Yeah. No, he's complaining about the test now. Yeah, no one. <laughs> <laughs> now, now there's two of us. Yeah. Well, now you know it's how you let him up. That's you know he kept he let him untied. I'm not gonna repeat our mistake here of keeping you all tied together if we know you're safe. All right. Child's also safe. And then his immediate reaction, get me out of here! You know I'm cool, let me go! <laughs> the last one, just sitting there, like he's in trouble at school or something. Yeah. And so who at this point is left that it could be? It's Blair, right? It's Blair. Blair. Yeah. Yep. And my favorite line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel the same way. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, so Blair is still locked up. Anybody else that they thought was the thing is dead. But what now? What's Charles watching here for? Like, what's he like standing guard for, just in case? Oh, okay. Yeah. So got it. I got it. Yeah. So just waited. The movie He's would answer my question. Holding down the fort, man. The script is too tight. Yeah. It's already ready. I think uh, maybe Honeywell or someone a long time ago shared a YouTube video of a guy that 
did a whole analysis of this whole kind of like last act of the movie. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Rob uh, Agar. Uh, yes, his channel is yes. Collate of Learning. He has yes. amazing yes. videos, and he does go into a couple of theories about the end of this movie. He's kind of debunked oh. his own theories um, and some of the other ones that okay. are on here, but they are well worth watching. Well, to me, he said. I mean, he basically makes this sound like the continuity is so tight in who's where and how in this whole last scene. Even you have to follow it super closely, but you can kind of know exactly where everyone's at, and yeah. by that way, know who is or is not an alien at the end of the movie. The only iffy to that now is Childs because the group has abandoned him, so he is right. alone. Right. I don't know where Blair is right now. Right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, but it is a super tight movie, and it's 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 no longer than it needs to be. <laughs> so I don't get the sense that he dug these as much as he maybe just dug down into one of these existing tunnels already below the where you know station or whatever. Yeah. Well, he's also had time to assemble this oh you're right i forgot about this part and i don't think building a spacecraft is something you would do in you know an hour or two or well they said something earlier when they burnt the one guy up i forget his name's fuchs or whoever it was and they're like a storm's gonna be here in 72 hours or something like that and then it right he's like oh it's been snowing for two days you know we've been in here Oh, you know, so you get yeah. the time that you get an idea that a few days have passed. Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some uh, time jumps that they're they don't really dwell on. Yeah, like when the lights were out, they mentioned that the lights were out for an hour, but in movie time, it's like seconds, seconds. Yeah. Okay. So fair enough. But yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, that's always one thing about this this scene that's always kind of. Like holy crap, he's got like a whole like little like workshop down there and a and a one man spacecraft and yeah. and that shot yeah. right there, that tracking shot down the hallway showing mm-hmm. the child's is no longer inside. Right. So we assume that's child, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of hard to tell when everyone's in parkas and yep. snow goggles. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'd be holding hands with the other guys. I'd be like... <laughs> Yeah, like... it, it really. They really shouldn't have let Childs alone. They all now that they all knew they were all human, they should have stayed together. Right, right. And McCree's still laying it out for us. If it if it can't kill us all, all it wants to do is go back to sleep until somebody else comes. Maybe we just warm things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not getting out of here alive. And I think by this point they all realize when McCready says we're not getting out of here alive, it's one of those things that's like, you know what? Yeah. We're not, so we gotta do what we gotta do. 
That was a very uh, fortunate toss of the dynamite. Rolled well, all the way. Well, he already went down and scouted. He knew it was going to roll. Oh, yeah. Yeah, perfectly. <laughs> and yeah. if it didn't get underneath the ship, it was going to crater that collapse anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, the element of surprise. Let's drive our <laughs> bulldozer right through the wall. You got to do what you got to do. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, this is this is where it reminds me of Jaws a little bit. It's kind of transitioned now to like a man on a mission kind of yeah movie. Well, it's the last act, you know. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's even past the last act. It's the 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 climax. Yeah, it's it, just falls to the wall here. Yeah, not skimping on those explosion man. The explosions in this are great. Mm-hmm. They're out in the middle of the Arctic, eh? Blow it up. Yeah. We can stand way back and <laughs> put all the money into these explosions. Yeah, they built this set, all the exterior buildings and stuff, they built it all in the summertime so that it would get, like, totally buried in snow and ice by the time they came back to film in the wintertime. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it looks like it. I mean, it does not look like a, a set at all. No, no. And that's the thing it, with inherently stagey as some of this movie is. It never feels sound stagey. It never, it never feels. No, the way they've set up the the establishing exterior shots anytime they cut back and forth you don't feel like it's two separate locations right <laughs> McCready's just strapped in dynamite like Rambo mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love it he's, he's like the anti-Rambo mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. just a uh, man this is the situation. Well, he's got Molotov cocktails. He's got dynamite. He's just like, literally, he's just like, he's strapped out and ready to rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of stuff to blow up. That's the generator. No longer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we all going to freeze. All right, that is point of no return there. Was it so it was gonna get down to a hundred below? Like yeah, that's what he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. you're not living. So let's make damn sure we get this thing. Right. Well, I think it's funny because I've never. Uh, I mean, I can see it, but I guess I've never really seen that this ending as being like the thing one. I've always seen it as by these guys going, "Hey, we're not going to live anyway, so let's take it out," because they overcame their inherent survival instinct. That's how they beat it. Because that's you know the thing can't overcome it. Even one piece of the thing can't not try to survive. So 
that's just how I've always kind of seen it. Mm. So. That's, I mean, that's certainly a valid interpretation of it. I just knowing the way Carpenter is, right? Oh yeah, I just, I just, I, I've always taken it as I know, as I know, yeah. I know how Carpenter meant it. I'm sure. Well, I've always taken it as they they do end up. Oh, that jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever oh, yeah. thought Wilford Brimley could be that frightening. Um, oh, yeah, oh. goodbye, Gary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so gross. Uh, I always took it as they do end up stopping the thing, but yeah. they're yeah. just not getting out of there. Right. When, when that's we kind get of the to, way I looked at it, too. Yeah. yeah when we get yeah. to McCready and, and Childs at the end, spoiler alert, um, I never took it as... Childs potentially being the thing he could be because he was gone for so long. But if that's the case, then wouldn't at that point where it's only two of them, wouldn't the thing just try to kill him? Right, right, right. So yeah, and so the dark inter- and the dark interpretation of that is that they're both the thing, so it's not going to attack itself, and thus yeah. But and I've never, gonna- wait. I've never bought into that theory either because we've followed McCready the whole time. Right. I never have either. And I just, um, it's, yeah, it's enough, of, I don't want to, it's enough of a dark ending that they stop the thing, but there's just no hope for the two of them. The two alpha males just, even yeah. they can't stop hundred degree blow weather. Mm-hmm. McCready realizing he is now completely alone. Yeah. Well, and what he said earlier is now about to happen. If I'm the only one left, it's just going to attack me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here we go. This, uh, we're all, we're all quiet. I know. Well, if yeah, he is the only one. Sense. Well, with that point then, Dave, if he is the only one left, then that means Childs is a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting, like, yeah. <laughs> I've always been amazed by this huge basement, but it makes sense, you know. Can have somewhere for storage? Yeah. And here we go. This We don't need to hold back anymore. Here's a giant monster. Yeah. I, I love that effect, man. I know. It's almost cartoony, but it's it's so great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's got that... Yeah, that that's some about that stop motion. Yeah, and here's the thing is just it's Oh Yeah, here's the dog, here's Blair, here's all these bits and pieces. Oof. <sighs> yeah, um They basically shot that whole part, I believe it's I think that documentary said they shot it all in miniature. Really? Yeah. That yeah. That whole they like they recreated in perfect miniature that entire basement area. Wow. Or maybe they said that that part they did and then it didn't end up looking right. But yeah, there's some deleted scenes on the the DVD with a little more of the stop motion. I think that yeah, they ended up like cutting the shots out. Yeah, maybe that's what it was, but well, everything they, that's left in is looks damn good. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
it's just uh was it Dean Kundi is the cinematographer on this film? I believe so. And yeah, yeah he's a frequent collaborator with Car- uh, Carpenter. And this whole part here at the end, where it's just basically lit by the flames of yeah. the you know wreckage, is just it's so it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, Russell looks. He looks, you know, beat like he's been through the ringer. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's so cool because I was saying earlier how it's like, man, the pragmatic thing would just be kind of like what the doctor tries to do. It's like we all need to die, but McCready's that like that human like, you know, Captain Kirk type guy where it's like, no, we we've got to try and survive. We got to try and want you know make it through. Yeah. Um, here's Childs. Yeah, can't have a a clear ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Chris, you were going to say something a moment ago. I, 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 cut uh, you off. I was going to bring up the um, <clears throat> just talking about theories on this ending here. Uh, one of the theories that's posited is that the bottle that McCready is about to give to Childs is not actually booze, but a, one of his Molotov cocktails. And the thing being the thing wouldn't realize it's not alcohol. It would continue to drink it. Um, I've never bought into that because I can. You can clearly mm. see that it's a J and B bottle. They've shown them throughout the whole the whole movie. Um, it's a nice little theory, but I don't think it holds any water. Um, I mean, you really are left with either these two guys are both the thing. Um, they're either both human or Childs is now a thing. But you'll never, you'll never know. <laughs> I, I've always taken it as they're both human. Um, Though the darker ending of Childs being the thing kind of works, just because you see McCready sort of smile like, well, I gave it my best, if that's going to be the interpretation. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of like, yeah, they're both human, too, just because these guys never liked each other, you know, through the, the whole last movie. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, no, they you know, here we are. Together. Yeah. Yeah, here we are, friends at last at the end, you know. Yeah, see, that's a J&B bottle. That's not a Molotov cocktail. Well, they could have made one out of his J&B bottles. That's true. But but McCready is about to drink that before he gives it to him. Yeah, I forget. In that collative learning or whatever it's called, I think he said something also about the... Them share the significance of them sharing the drink there at the end, but I forget now. But uh, because the fact that earlier on they recommend that everybody drinks out of their own bottles oh, and right. prepares their own meals, at this point right. there wouldn't be any mm. point. If they're both human, then you could pass along a, a bottle back and forth. It's not going to matter. Right. Gotcha. You know? So that would be like if you're going to take it that way, then it's the ultimate sign of trust that they are both human. Got it. Yeah, I've I've always interpreted it as they are both human, and they both just SOL, man. We both just have to sit here and freeze. You know, there's Game nothing over, else we can man. do. Game over. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I always assumed that they were human. Oh, I, I I could see the case where you kind of get the bleaker ending, and it kind of fits in with his other. You know, his, like, loose apocalypse trilogy. Yeah. Those both have more overt, like, downer endings. Um, That it could be that that's the thing, sitting, walking up to him, and 
you know, he didn't really defeat it, and it's just going to be waiting there for the rescue team or whatever, like they said before. Well, it's it's funny, I, I you know how audiences change. Like I can see ninety percent of people coming out of the theater back in '82 thinking, oh, they won, they they killed it, you know. Whereas nowadays, you know, being a little more like cynical is is more hip. <laughs> yeah, it's just and how most people would want to go for the downer ending, you know. Yeah, it's just just the fact that Childs doesn't jump him there at the end. If he was a thing. And he right. knew that McCready was the only human left. Right, right. What? Yeah. That's that's your shot. Like, and McCready's right. whipped to shit already. So why wouldn't you just take him out, and then you can go and right. put yourself unless on the they're ice. both the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I'm we're pretty never, sure McCready's not. Yeah. Yeah. I. Just, yeah. Well, we know yeah. McCready isn't at least a. No, we know he we know up we until saw him the point test his where, blood. Yeah, until the point where Gary, Nulls, and, and McCready are separated. But we never see the Blair creature attack. We don't actually see him attack Nulls. We just hear him screaming off screen, right? And we know that he gets Gary. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we, we follow McCready the whole time. McCready, playing, playing right. the charges and everything. So right. I think that's too much of a logical leap to make that he's yeah. now one of the creatures. Right, right. Cool. It's a great choice. I hadn't watched all the way through in a long time. So, uh, if you have not seen the thing, or really all of, I mean Carpenter, if you go and look at his filmography, he had a streak from Halloween up to. Uh, I don't know what you would say. It was kind of like the end of his kind of prime period. But, I mean, he had six or seven movies in a row that are all, you know, really, really yeah. good. I really like Ghost of Mars. I know a lot of people don't. Yeah. I, I was going to say that's about, like, I can watch all of his, in a, you know, in order all the way up to about that point. I do I skip Memoirs of an Invisible Man just because there's really not much there. It's not really a Carpenter movie. Yeah, that's the one I never even think about when I think about his movies. I have well, like, not seen that one. Got to make that paycheck. I don't, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it was a passion project for him or anything. And I don't think he, I don't think he wrote it. I think he was just hired gun on that one. Um, but it's like even Starman, which is totally opposite of ninety nine percent of what he does, is a is an excellent movie. Yeah. Um, so it's, which was I think the yeah. one right after this, right? I no, maybe was. Christine was after this. I can't remember. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, all of his stuff is worth watching up until a, a point. Definitely the stuff from the 70s and 80s, because um, mm-hmm. he'll go on and he'll have uh, Prince of Darkness and They Live and In the Mouth of Madness. Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. And it's, yeah, I mean, even Big Trouble in Little China is not his usual fare, but it is definitely a John Carpenter movie. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at an article earlier today about what well, was kind of ranking his uh, his filmography, and it was basically saying like, and it said similar to you, like, um, I still love Ghost of Mars, you know, even though it has its problems. Yeah. And so it wasn't like he's the article's just was well, there's not really a bad one, but if I had to put one last, it'd be this one. But they they he said there was some sort of TV movie he did. That was a horror movie that's only um, been like limited like release was on it DVD body or something. Parts? No, mm. it was early. It was early. Now I'm gonna have to find the article. Hold on. But um, 
you know, he also had Elvis, which is was a straight up biopic and was TV definitely biopic, yep. With uh, Kurt Russell as the king. Kurt Russell, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, uh, John Carpenter. Like, I've never ranked his movies in my head because it's always my favorite tends to be the last one I watched. Yeah, it's tough to. So, it's tough for me to rank him too. I mean, yeah. I, I honestly don't know. The the I probably end up watching the thing, uh, Escape from New York, and Big Trouble in Little China the most. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and again, those are all wildly <laughs> different movies. One's mm-hmm. a one's mm-hmm. an action movie, one's a horror movie, and one's a, a kung fu movie. Um, so yeah, I mean that just kind of shows you what he can do. And it, it, his early st- Dark Star is worth watching. Um, it, it's it's basically Alien because <laughs> he wrote it yeah. with Dan O'Bannon. Um, or directed Dan O'Bannon wrote it and Carpenter directed it. And uh, I love Salt on Precinct Thirteen. That is just a grimy seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, version of uh, Rio Bravo, and uh, Carpenter has said he'd be content to remake Rio Bravo a hundred times. <laughs> you know, right. Ghost of Mars <laughs> is the same thing. It's Rio Bravo yep. just on Mars. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, okay, I found it. Y'all want to hear it? Yes. Yeah. 1978, a TV movie called Someone's Watching Me. A made-for-television 1978 fright film and part of NBC's then-popular Tales of the Unexpected series of Twilight Zone-esque offerings of macabre, sci-fi, and or straight-up horror. This well-received telefilm was also written by Carpenter, and it netted him an Edgar Award nomination for Best Television Feature. Stars Lauren Hutton and Adrian Barbeau. Of course it's got Barbeau. Uh, uh. (laughs) She was even in the thing. She was the voice of the chess computer. Um, Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Among among the director's fans, this film is regarded regularly regarded as the lost Carpenter film. I've never seen to it. it. Never getting a theatrical release as well as as well as its lengthy absence from home video. A DVD was finally issued by Warner in 2007. It's worth tracking down and holds up remarkably well. Oh God! So, it's gonna cost a million dollars to get that. I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to seek it out on YouTube or yeah. Vimeo or something. But I've never seen right. that. And yeah, I thought I covered almost everything on the vault of his, but uh, no, this is good. It's, I'm definitely gonna be tracking that down. Yeah, huh. yeah. Well, that we do. Uh, this is our first commentary for cast protection, so that was pretty cool. We'll yeah. uh, we'll definitely have some more ideas for some for some other films in the future, and we can hopefully get get on that a little bit better than we did just, uh, on this one. But yeah. Oh yeah, no, they definitely definitely have more stuff to cover. <laughs> well, yeah, we got some time to time to fill before uh, Halloween. So yeah, so uh, if you get any suggestions, why don't you send them in too? You know, if something's uh, really striking you from watching the show and uh, you think it's worth covering, let us know, and we'll definitely uh, take a look at it. Because uh, oh, yeah. definitely some more direct Absolutely. influences. I mean, it would be easy to just cover all of Carpenter's movies, but <laughs> that we probably shouldn't do that. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> <I'd> l- <laughs> but I, I'll talk Carpenter at the drop of a hat. Um, there's definitely mm-hmm. some more stuff out there. I mean, uh, you know, E.T., Poltergeist. Uh, oh, man, Poltergeist. Yeah, mm. Akira. Um, there's lots of stuff <laughs> that's that we could pull from. But, uh, mm. yeah. 
This was uh, this was fun, and uh, we'll definitely be doing more. They may not, may be commentaries, they may not be, um, but uh, yeah, let us know what you guys would like to uh, hear us do. Please do. Yep. Yeah, please do. Well, um, I guess that'll kind of wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, like I said at the top of the episode, you can find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, shoot us an email at castprotection at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, you'll hopefully be hearing from us soon. So thanks for listening. And right, just, see you guys later. Just remember, man is the warmest place to hide. Nice. <laughs> all right. See you all later. Bye, guys. All right. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search two true freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find two true freaks on Facebook. Just search for two true freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about two true freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Freaks.